0: Good morning and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. We are on DSTV's bouquet Channel 802 and on www.channelafrica.co.za. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Anne Moussa, Tabi and Figi In our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, DRC opposition MPs challenge decision to expel them from parliament, And South African teenagers fly from Cape to Cairo in homemade plane. In economics news, the AU chair hails launch of African continental free trade area. And in sports news, the Proteus captain attributes poor World Cup showing to inconsistency. But first up, the news with Anne Moussa.
1: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, tzorza. Africa, amuka na unai.
2: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Moussa. Former Congolese militia commander Bosco Ntaganda has 30 days in which to appeal his conviction before he's sentenced. The International Criminal Court found him guilty of war crimes and crimes against humanity. They include rape and murder during fighting in the east of the Democratic Republic of Congo. The former child soldier had denied the charges. The BBC's Anna Holligan reports. He was
3: found guilty on all 18 charges, so murder, rape, sexual slavery, persecution, pillage, forcible transfer, conscripting and enlisting children into an armed group and using them to participate on the front line. They went into more detail about some of the attacks, bodies found in banana fields after massacres, and the judges explained that even though Bosco Tanganda was not necessarily present for each of these massacres,
2: he played a leading role in organising them. Embattled to Prime Minister and leader of the All Basutu Convention, the ABC's Tom Tabane has defended his position, saying he's the only legitimate leader and founder of the party. The ABC suspended Tabane at the weekend, addressing his deeply fractured party rally at the weekend. Tabane... Tabane reprimanded 52 of the 80 constituencies that sat to confirm his six-year suspension. Tabane's fallout with his executive committee follows a highly contested outcome of the ABC's national elective conference that saw his rival Musa Mohau emerge in a deputy leadership position. The ongoing power tussle in the ABC is likely to be resolved in Parliament during the upcoming vote of no confidence in Tabane. South Africa's Police Minister Beki Kele says ministers in the justice cluster will meet to address the recent killings on the Cape Flats. Kele met with the community of Philippi on Monday, after six women were gunned down at an informal settlement in Philippi East on Friday, while five others were killed in separate incidents on Saturday. Kele says plans on how to address the issue will be discussed during the meeting.
4: We have a meeting of the justice cluster where all the ministers will be there. From there, will come with a roadmap of not just Philippi, but in a broader metro, trying to stop the murders that are taking, are taking place here.
2: Ghana has shelved plans to spend 200 million US dollars on a new parliament building following a public outcry over the cost. An online campaign by cultural figures and civil society under the banner hashtag drop, uh, drop that chamber drew widespread support that the West African nation had more pressing needs. Parliament says it halted the project due to the backlash ahead of a planned street protest on Saturday. Those planning the protest say they will still hold it unless parliament released an Official resolution dropping the project. And finally, the group of South African teenagers who designed their own plane have successfully completed their journey to Cairo. The three teenagers in their four-seater aircraft left Cape Town last month and visited nine countries on their way to Cairo. The BBC's Grant Ferret has more.
5: The aim of the project, called You Dream Global, is to encourage South African youngsters and others across the continent to believe that the sky's the limit when it comes to ambition. The aircraft was assembled from a kit by 20 teenagers, with a little help from specialists, within a few weeks. Flying it from Cape Town to Cairo took a similar time. One of the young pilots said the difficulties along the way included a shortage of fuel in Ethiopia and a wiring problem with the plane's avionics, which prompted an early landing in Egypt.
2: And that's the news headlines at 7.30 Central African time.
1: Africa rise and shine.
6: Africa zor Africa amka na una
7: Tune in to Vision 2030 with Una Pateke
5: and Tabila Masugu, the new show revolving around the Sustainable Development Goals and Agenda 2030.
7: Every Tuesday, 10 to 11 a.m. Central African time. Connect with us on all social media platforms at Channel Africa 1, hashtag Vision 2030.
0: After a long period of consultations with relevant government and private sector agencies, Nigeria has finally signed the African Continental Free Trade Area Agreement. But what does this mean for Africa and Nigeria, which is the biggest economy in the continent? The African Free Trade Block is expected to help boost the continent's long-stemmied economy by strengthening inter-regional trade and supply chains. Our Lagos correspondent, Colin Zatohenbe, has more.
8: The wait was long but expected and finally, when it happened, Nigerians heaved a sigh of relief that at last, it would be possible now to have greater opportunity to participate in inter-Africa trade, and economy with less bottleneck. President Mohamedou Buhari, who could not sign the free trade protocol in Kigali when majority of African states signed the document, did so at the just-concluded EU summit in Naomi, the Nigerian capital. But why did Nigeria, reputed to be the largest economy in Africa, delayed appending its signature to such important document. A renowned economist at Bismarck, Rawane says there was evidence of ignorance.
9: Uh, I think it's uh, out of uh, ignorance and an objection is a request for further information. So the president and the executive team were saying, look, let's consult. They didn't want to go ahead and just do it and then people accuse them of being high-handed. So it was carrying everybody along. The fact that Nigeria signed the biggest economy in Africa, it's a big, big deal. How will it affect people now? One, for the economy, we will see more rapid growth. We will see greater opportunities. We will be competitive. Now this is going to force us to be competitive. We are going to have to attract investments in here.
8: Crossing the first hurdle was not quite smooth, but staying on course would require that energy be directed towards ensuring that the protocol is guided to success, and all the requirements to make a success of it are present for the general good of all stakeholders what does nigeria stand to gain acceding to the agreement paul alaje an economist says nigeria is standing on even grounds with enormous potentials
10: uh, the strength nigeria has is Already 200 million people, we are producing, first thing that comes to mind will be cement, that Nigeria is producing better than uh, uh, most countries. And this opens opportunity for Nigeria. And I'm not looking at individual business in in this sense. I'm looking at Nigerian businesses as economy the capacity Nigeria has to produce. We also um, reduce to some extent rice importation. And how much of that can we have? So it, it's going to be good news if Nigeria we maximize it. There are countries in Africa that want black soap from Nigeria. So I'm happy Nigeria signed uh, eventually. But I also have my concerns of how PPR Nigeria is. As-
8: in the same light, Bismarck Rawani could not agree less because the indices and the available statistics volume But he noted that Nigeria and South Africa can do better in their respective positions.
9: Actually, Nigeria has 31% of the exports of Africa. Nigeria has a population of 200 million compared to the 1.2 billion, and Nigeria is having an inflation rate of 11.4 percent compared to African inflation rate of 8.5 percent. Now, Nigeria's GDP is 21.4 percent of the total GDP of Africa, which is 2.5 trillion dollars, and South Africa is the next, it's 16 percent. These two economies are actually underperforming the African average. To
8: be able to maintain these standards enumerated by Rewane, the President of Lagos Chambers and Industry, Muda Yusuf says, Nigeria will have to mend its broken hedges in the areas of policies, revamping infrastructure and commercial endeavors.
11: Of course, there are things that we need to do to make sure that we get the right kind of value from this uh, this protocol. We need to fix our institutions, we need to fix our infrastructure, we need to fix uh, some of our policies, our trade policy, our tax policy, our monetary policy, our investment policy. This is just the beginning and the AFCT also has provisions through which you can also protect a few of the vir- vulnerable sectors. So all this advantage we will we'll we'll explore that to ensure that we don't expose our economy unduly
8: looking at the opportunity inherent in protocols of this nature in comparison with the standards in other economic blocks of the world, Paul Alajay says trade amongst African nations would open up the continent for all to profit from.
10: Market expansion, mobility of labor, Africa have um, realized that uh, it also could come together to push a front uh, when compared to the rest of the world as we speak i uh, into africa trade is less than twenty percent when you compare that what the eurozone is doing or europe is doing about a uh, sixty nine percent compared that with what asia is doing fifty nine percent africa is projected to do fifty two percent with the signing of this agreement in the, by twenty twenty two that's three years from now so it's a good news big news coming from africa
8: though the protocol has individual national focus on the scale of comparative advantage for the benefit of the continent a cross-section of analysts says africa will become the largest economic block of the world and that it is a big deal for Nigeria and South Africa.
11: We are talking of an economy of two point five trillion US dollars. So it's a great opportunity for our manufacturers. It's a great opportunity for other sectors of the economy, particularly investors in the service sector. The sluggish government policy that they don't come out quickly, it has to undergo so many
8: processes before final implementation.
9: This is our key problem. First of all, it's the world's largest free trade area. We have one point two billion people. We have GDP of trillion dollars so for nigeria and south africa who are the largest economies it's a big deal
8: although trade is the major focus in this drive all africa must take steps to douse the fire of political instability and the new age act of terrorism that is threatening to cripple the continent with the presence of nigeria south africa egypt and kenya in the league it can only mean endless prosperity but only if the ethics of the agreements are complied with. From Lagos, Nigeria, I am Collins Nusato for Channel Africa News.
0: Democratic Republic of Congo's MPs who have lost their seats after the Constitutional Court ruled so last weekend are planning to take the matter to the African Court of Human Rights and the Inter-Parliamentary Union. Jean-Noël Bamweze has more from Kinshasa.
12: The Constitutional Court's decision that has been made on Friday is the last one as far as last December parliamentary elections are concerned. It's indeed 178 requests that have been filed by those elections candidates who suspected that they had been cheated. The Democratic Republic of Congo's highest court ruled in the matter by deciding to invalidate some MPs, although they were already keeping the National Assembly seats and rehabilitated some others. Those who have lost the seats they were keeping have then expressed disappointment and anger. They said this won't finish here, but it will be taken to the African Court of Human Rights and the Interparliamentary Union. Julian Paluko is the head of a platform that has lost three MPs. They have been previously matters like this. MPs requested the African Court of Human Rights and the Court demanded their rehabilitation. If things continue this way, the African Court of Human Rights and the Interparliamentary Union might suspend DRC MPs from all interparliamentary meetings over the world. Most of analysts here in the Republic of Congo have described the constitutional court's decision as a shameful one and full of corruption signs. One of these analysts Mr. Peter Kayembe believes this country's highest court is not working properly and can't say it has ruled by mistakes since it was not only one MP who has been victim of such a decision.
13: It is a very big shame for a big country like DRC. How? The judges from uh, Constitutional Court can, first of all, invalidate an MP, and after that, rehabilitate him again. That is a uh, proof that uh, this court is not uh, the court which is working in a good way. If it was uh, one or two cases, the time we could say that it was mistake. But uh, when we see the number of cases no, it is not mistakes it is their own will to do like that and uh, I can say that they were corrupted to do that they are doing they were corrupted I remember one MP who said to people from his uh, land you elected me or not I will be permanent member that means even if he was not uh, elected there but as he has his money he can go to court and corrupt them I think that It is not good to continue with uh, such a judge because they are corruptible and
12: uh, it is a, a risk for the country. The situation has put more anger among voters who have seen MPs they elected and were previously declared winners to be invalidated while they were already keeping their seats into the National Assembly. Most of people here in the Democratic Republic of Congo have then called on President Felix Tshisekedi to reform the Constitutional Court. This analyst believes it's a good idea. Once more, Peter Kayembe.
13: It is a good idea because uh, we must have a veritable court, the truly court. Mm-hmm. The Constitutional Court we have now, it is Kabila's Constitutional Court. The judge Kabila put them door before he left. And they have a specific mission there. We saw that in many cases of uh, invalidation of uh, some parliament members. You will see that if uh, there is an invalidation of uh, FCC member, another way uh, taking his place is to, from FCC. That uh, is uh, the real proof that they are corrupted and they have a mission. Their mission is to give institution power to Kabila. Because you can see parliament members, most of them are Kabilas. That is their mission, but the best thing to do is to change them, to make a reform of Constitutional Court.
12: This constitutional court decision has come out while the Democratic Republic of Congo's parliament is on parliamentary leave and is expecting an extraordinary session to be called in order to inaugurate a new government team. If this is appointed, Jean Noël Bamouise for Channel Africa in Kinshasa.
14: Follow Channel Africa on the social media platforms. On Facebook, Channel Africa One. On Twitter, at Channel Africa One and YouTube on Channel Africa Radio. Our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. Channel Africa, from an African perspective.
0: former CEO of South Africa's state-owned entity, the Public Investment Corporation, Dr. Dan Machila, started his testimony on Monday before the Judicial Commission of Inquiry into the PIC in Pretoria. Former PIC executive managers and staff have accused Machila of misuse of funds, intimidation, corruption and careless investment decisions taken at the PIC during his tenure. He is alleged to have run havoc at the corporation, ruling it with an iron Fist together with former chief financial officer Mutsepi Mure. Dr. Dan Majila was CEO of the PIC from 2014 to 2018. Amina Akram reports. Testimony of former PIC CEO Dan Machila
15: had a rocky start this week. Machila's lawyers also said they had not received all documentations presented by other witnesses at the commission and needed more time to receive them. However, Majila continued his testimony. He called for the PIC to have an independent board chairperson. He says chairpersons who are also deputy finance ministers should have limited involvement in investment decisions because the PIC is a major investor in bonds of state-owned entities and hence there will be conflict of interest.
4: And hence there will be a conflict of interest in the chairperson who is also the deputy minister of finance and therefore represent the state. Being involved in decisions to invest in very enterprises that fall under the payview of the finance ministry, deputy minister is the second in command in the national treasury, a government department that is responsible for the finances of the nation.
15: Machila said the PIC had no skilled staff of his own when he joined the corporation as a contract worker in 2003 he says the pic had many challenges including an it system that was barely functional and needed infrastructure upgrading he says the sibaya fund was also making huge losses and they started discussions to turn the organization into a corporation under the leadership of former pic head brand molefe they started to make profits and saw growth in assets that were under investment the
4: practice was that a deputy director general in National Treasury was appointed a secretary. the secretary. P- the permanent staff of the secretariat were also secondees from National Treasury. Senior management at the time comprised mainly of contract workers, including secondees like myself. The PIC has no staff of its own, and that made it difficult for the commissioners to attract and retain high-caliber personnel that were capable of managing complex financial instruments. To optimize return on investment for depositors.
15: Machila explained to Justice Lexem Party how the slow economic growth had an impact on asset growth at the corporation since the economic downturn. He says the PIC board needs a set of skilled people who have an understanding in asset management, company strategy, IT, legal, corporate governance and HR skills. The PIC is the biggest fund manager on the African continent with two trillion runs worth of assets under its wings. The hearing will
0: continue on Tuesday. That report by Amina Akram
9: Spotlight Africa a program that showcases and highlights African countries and issues of the African continent and its people. Coming your way from Channel Africa every Wednesday at 800 hours UCT, which repeats on Wednesday at 2215 hours UCT through DSTV bouquet 802. Tune in to Spotlight Africa a program that interrogates issues from an African perspective.
0: South Africa's former Chief of State Protocol and current Ambassador to the Netherlands, Bruce Colone, is expected to continue with his testimony at the State Capture Commission of Inquiry in Johannesburg today. Yesterday's proceedings were adjourned to give Koloane and his legal counsel more time to go through statements and recordings implicating him for, from other witnesses. Our reporter, Nomalizo Mandela reports.
14: Ambassador Koloane first raised concerns about the process followed by the Justice Crime Prevention and Security Cluster Probe, which made damning findings against him. Following a string of I-don't-recall responses, he complained to the commission that he feels his rights have been prejudiced as he was not allowed to have access to a number of documents that were said to be classified.
16: Our reservations don't only emanate from the timing, but also from the fact that when we requested some of the testimony that was utilized, by the former people who appeared before this commission. We were told that that's classified, we cannot have access to it, and yet it was admissible to be used here, particularly implicating me. So in terms of being able to prepare myself properly, I feel that uh, my rights were prejudiced because I'm engaging with people who have probably seen, listened and heard what they're talking about and given that a six-year period had lapsed, I have been denied that right to also have the same access.
14: Evidence leader, advocate Tandy Norman, perhaps sensing that this could be used in future to challenge the findings of the commission and in protecting the integrity of the commission, suggested that Goloane be afforded the time he requires to go through all documents.
7: If the witness is of the view that he has not been afforded adequate opportunity for him to prepare thoroughly, I would prefer a situation where he is given the time that he wants, so that he doesn't come back later on and say, look, I was not afforded adequate opportunity. I'm concerned, Chair, that if he listens to the recordings tonight, and then he comes back tomorrow morning, and certain questions are asked about the process as a whole again tomorrow morning, he may again say, look, if the, the, the cluster had asked me this, I would have told them this. I, I'm not comfortable with the approach that they are adopting.
14: Meanwhile, earlier during his testimony, Kolowane attributed the supposed approval by himself of the Gupta Plane landing at Watercloof to a misunderstanding between himself and his personal assistants. He told the commission that he simply indicated to his PA that Machila must process the delays in dealing with the request by the Indian High Commission and did not stipulate that the request be approved.
16: I even further said to my PA, please make sure that the following people are also copied so that because I'm in a meeting, they can also follow up. There are two people copied who are senior managers. So if I was off an agenda to do something dubious, why would I say let's copy some senior managers within protocol who know exactly what process must be followed? I think for me there was purely an issue of either I failed to get across to her properly or it was either an issue of pure misunderstanding.
14: It is unclear whether Kolowane's appearance today would be to continue and conclude his testimony or if it would be to apply for a postponement following his concerns about not being given enough time and allowed to have access to a number of documents. His legal counsel, Don Mahon, requested access to the recordings to determine their way forward.
1: In order for us to form a view on whether uh, the ambassador will be prejudiced in continuing or not, this question of the recordings is is, is a spanner in the works. We would obviously want to listen to them first before we make that election. Yes, Yes. So perhaps... Um, my suggestion would be uh, if, you, if we could obtain a ruling from you that we're mm. entitled to those recordings yeah. and if we could have them immediately, we could consider them overnight mm. and then tomorrow we could come back and mm. inform you, Chair, mm. what our position is, whether we are inclined to continue or mm. whether we would seek a postponement.
0: That was Ambassador Bruce Colone's legal counsel, Don Mahan, re- ending that report by Nomad Mandela in Johannesburg. U.S. President Donald Trump has criticized Britain's ambassador in Washington for not serving the U.K. well. This follows a series of emails from the U.K. ambassador Sir Kim Darroch labelling Trump as inept that were leaked to a British newspaper over the weekend. The U.K. Foreign Office has now launched an inquiry into the leak, Holly Hudson reports.
17: Well, this leak has caused controversy on both sides of the Atlantic, not least because of the extraordinary content and criticisms contained in these emails, but of course who they're aimed at. Donald Trump, not one to take things lying down. The president has already hit back saying that Sir Kim Darroch hasn't served the UK well and he is not a fan. Sir Kim Darroch became the British ambassador to the US in Washington just a few months before Donald Trump became president in 2016, and it's his private memos, private emails that have been leaked here in the UK to a British newspaper. Now, in them, Sir Kim Darroch describes the president and, as inept, incompetent and insecure, saying the White House has become uniquely dysfunctional because of infighting and chaos and questioned whether it will ever look competent. So that creates of course a very tricky situation for Mr. Derek in Washington. But of course the British government as well. A very tricky time here in British politics with a leadership contest underway, Brexit on the horizon, they will not want anything to harm the special relationship between the UK and the US at the moment and the UK's Trade Secretary William fox actually in the u.s as and today meeting ivanka trump either luckily or unluckily depending on how you see it. He's already said he'll use that meeting to apologise because, as he describes it, whoever released these emails was unpatriotic and has maliciously undermined the defence and security relationship the UK has with the US, the most important global relationship we have. We've also heard very similar sentiments from many other senior British politicians, including the Foreign Secretary and one of the men in contention to become Britain's next Prime Minister, Jeremy Hunt, who's confirmed that the Foreign Office has launched an investigation and there will be serious consequences for whoever is found responsible.
6: It is not acceptable to do this because it fundamentally undermines the brilliant work done by the Foreign Office all over the world. And uh, we need to be confident that people can express frank opinions. We need to be able to have a debate inside these buildings. We need to be able to disagree. And, um, you know, of course, I made it clear that uh, I don't share... Uh, the ambassador's assessment of either the U.S. administration or uh, relations with the U.S. administration. But I do defend his right to make that frank assessment.
17: So the focus now turns to who how and why these emails were released. Rumours and theories already circulating in the US and the UK that this was politically motivated in order to ensure that Derek's replacement is a Brexit-friendly, Trump-friendly diplomat. The emails did end up in the hands of a Brexiteer journalist and Brexit party leader Nigel Farage, somebody who Trump is known to be friendly with and who even tipped to be a good ambassador to the US, has come forward to say he thinks Mr. Derek's time is our man in the US should come to an end he's not gone so far as to suggest himself as a replacement saying he's not a diplomat and boris johnson's allies have said that nigel farage would not have a top job in his administration were he to get the keys to number 10 in just a few weeks time but whatever the result of this investigation this has caused a political storm and potentially damaging us uk relations in some way
0: That Report by Holly Hudson. Our headlines up next with Ann Musa.
2: A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musan. The headlines Malawian President Peter Mutarika condemns protests by thousands of people who gathered in Lilongwe last week to denounce his re-election in May. The embattled legislature prime minister and leader of the Obasuto convention defends his position, saying he's the only legitimate leader and founder of the party, and Garner shells plans to spend 200 million US dollars on a new parliament building following a public outcry over the cost. Those are the stories making headlines.
0: An aircraft built by South African teenagers has successfully landed in Egypt six weeks after its settle from Cape Town. The four-seater Sling 4 plane was assembled by a group of 20 students from vastly different backgrounds. The crew landed in Namibia, Malawi, Ethiopia, Zanzibar, Tanzania and Uganda during the 12,000-kilometer trip. Our correspondent Kaleta Wanjohi caught up with them at the Borle International Airport in Addis Ababa.
3: The teenagers, one girl and two boys, flew in from Entebbe, Uganda into Addis Ababa as part of the Africa tour over the weekend. They flew in the four-seater aircraft. The aircraft is an innovation of you Dream company that seeks to uplift innovation, especially among young people in South Africa and in the continent. Megadwana is one of the teen pilots.
18: So aviation is actually a really high standard, um, like just to get your pilot's license. You had to pass 8 subjects um, and you need 75% to pass every single subject. The same uh, is in engineering where the standards are really high. So every day the engineers would come cross-check the work that the teenagers have done. And if it was not right, then they had to it and re it everything as well. So. Um, they kept on checking and they cross-checked each other. So one engineer would come check and then another engineer would come check. And um, yes, we did make mistakes. We had to de it. And sometimes we had to do it like three times over and over and over. But like in, in, in the end, it's, it's flying.
3: Drian Vindahivra is another pilot.
10: W- the weather is, is one of the challenges that, that we have had so far. But um, mostly we have had... Um, Challenges with the people that we uh, that we are dealing with the customs and immigration and uh, to deal with uh, overflight clearances and and um, so forth and a lot of the time we had um, a lot of conflict between between people in the group because you are in a confined space for seven hours at, uh, on a day and um, you live together you eat together so. As a group, you need to be very close with each other because um, if there's a, a tiny bit of frustration or conflict, it, it can uh, develop and become worse. So that's that's the type of uh, stuff that we've learned to deal with so far in this whole project.
3: Henry Koza, the third pilot, says... Now that he has participated in such a historical project of assembling an aircraft, he wants to develop his career further in aviation.
11: When I come back to South Africa, I will definitely finish my school first because I'm in Machik now. So then I will be finishing my Machik, and after Machik, I will start with my commercial license. And after obtaining my commercial license, I will apply for jobs uh, right through Africa. And I said right through Africa because now when I have seen Africa, I definitely know this is a place I want to work in my first years of my career. So. I will definitely work in Africa.
3: The three teen pilots are part of a team of 20 South African teenagers who assembled the aircraft. It took them two years to assemble and get the aircraft on air. The youngest in the group is 13 years old. Each of them had roles in the assembling process. The group has six pilots. The target for the team is to showcase their innovation all over Africa, hence their slogan for the 10,000-kilometer trip across the continent being from Cape to Cairo. Des Wana is the head of the project. He follows them with a support
19: plan. That's uh, the, the support plan or the chase plan. Um, that is mainly to take extra fuel, luggage, that type of stuff, and then just to support the kids as well. Um, you know, to see that they don't make bad fuel decisions, bad weather decisions, that type of stuff. So that's where I come in, is I'm doing a lot of work behind the scenes to make sure that the, the operation is safe, because we fly what's known as VFR, which is Vigil Flight Rules. That means that you have to be able to see the ground, you can't fly in bad weather. So today was really, really tricky to get in here because you can't do an approach like a Boeing can do, you've got to do it visually, which makes it really, really tricky. So that's where I am to try and make it as safe as possible.
3: Wana Fronemin, the coach of UDream Global, who is travelling with the teenagers too, says already they have started getting orders from countries to create similar aircrafts.
12: We've actually been approached by several countries to duplicate this program in their countries as well. A number of companies have approached us as well. So yes, I mean, um, my company is the Wealth Creation Institute and uh, that's what we do. We actually coach and uh, teach companies, small entrepreneurs. Um, We give people the tools so that they can significantly impact their own lives and the world around them and their communities. So the the plan for Udream, this is the first part, this is the first phase obviously. So the plan for Udream is to duplicate the same version in several different countries, in several different forms. It's already been in discussion, it's already in planning and the ideas are already flowing and um, it can be just so much bigger even the next one around. So it's pretty cool, very exciting.
3: But for now, the teenagers hope as they fly across Africa, they will inspire more young people to take on risks. I'm Kuletanjoy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa. The
0: Dodza Domain Name Authority Zadna says it is embarking on an awareness campaign to educate many South Africans about the importance to use a local domain names to use and register their websites. Earlier this week, Communications and Digital Technologies Minister Stella Ndabeni-Abrams urged parliamentarians and South Africans to register under the local domains, saying it will boost the economy, Mercedes percent reports from parliament. When she appeared before the
20: committee on Wednesday last week, Ndabeni-Abrams said while many South Africans want data to fall, they can also help to contribute towards local economic development generated from the internet space.
7: We have dot that now, is the domain name authority. Members, I know you do have your private email addresses and most of you love.com. We want to plead with yourselves to make sure that the money that we spend in this country get to be spent here and contribute to the GDP. When we talk about the politics or the economics of the domain name registration, your email addresses because we want data to fall, the government must incentivize, we must do this, but we take all this money outside South Africa and we come and complain about the lack of development of the sector, we complain about uh, jobs that are not there, but the money is how we spend. I don't know how to Talk to the applications and everything that we utilize. You have read uh, about, okay, at least now it's resolved, the Trump and Huawei issues. Can you imagine whip if? One day Trump wakes up and says, I'm withdrawing Microsoft and Google from all other countries. What would happen
20: to South Africa? .za domain name authority ZAPNA says its mandate is to administer, regulate and issue domain licenses in terms of the Electronic Communications Act. Zatna says just over 1.2 million domains are registered under .za. Peter Madabu is Zatna's acting CEO, who says using a local domain name means investing in the local ICT sector. He says awareness has to be intensified to educate people.
1: I must admit there's lack of awareness on the .za namespace because currently the population of South Africa is at 58 million and we only have 1,220,000 domains that are registered under .za. So if we do more in terms of uh, registering and um, educating people on the importers of the .za namespace, we will find our economy going much better and um, improving people's lives. Uh, at Zetna, we're embarking on having an awareness. In fact, we've already started. We have covered Limpopo. We're going to be doing Pumalanga, and we're going to Northwest soon. We're intending to cover the entire country on educating people on the importers of the .za.
20: An independent analyst and researcher on ICT policy and regulation, Charlie Lewis, says the only way for South Africa to create wealth and generate income through the Internet is to encourage more South Africans to use the web. He says registering more companies and organizations under the local.za domain won't generate enormous income for the economy because it's annual fees that are generated. Lewis says it's the Internet usage traffic volume that covers.
6: The daily use of such websites uh, generates traffic and it's the traffic that generates the revenue. So whether you're using a .com domain or a .co.za domain makes very little difference in terms of income and uh, traffic uh, generation in South Africa. Using local domain names or international domain names generates traffic and the traffic is what brings the income to the internet service provider and has a positive impact on the economy. So really, if you want to use uh, the internet to generate income, create wealth and provide jobs, we need to strengthen and encourage people to use the internet. The difference between .co, .za and .com is relatively minor and relatively immaterial in that particular case.
20: He says the use of local domain names are more linked to national identity.
6: Encouraging uh, people to use local domain names, .co.za, .org.za, .org, .za, and the like, is to some extent a matter of national pride. Um, it's also closely linked to your marketing intentions as an organization. First off, It's important just to note that very, very few people have a proper understanding of how the domain uh, registration uh, naming conventions work. Most people assume that .co.za is the only uh, available um, umbrella under which to register a website in South Africa. Very few people understand that .co.za is specifically for profit-making entities. Uh, occasionally, you get trade unions. For example, uh, when I was at Cosatu, one of the trade unions registered their website as a .co.za domain name, and uh, I could never understand why, because they are a trade union; they're not a profit-making entity. Very people und- few people understand the distinction between .co.za and .org.za, uh, .ac.za and the like. Lewis says marketing is also critically
20: important when it comes to the choice of domain names. He says people who register websites need to understand what their marketing intentions are.
6: If your audience is South African, if you're a commercial company particularly targeting South African consumers, surely a.co.za domain name is critically important for you. Uh, If on the other hand, you are an international company uh, seeking to generate revenue from clients all around the world, a dot .com domain name registration may well be much more appropriate for you. So I think there's a very important marketing consideration that organizations, entities, and companies need to bear in mind when they choose their domain names. You know, under, under Zadna, there are also a number of domain names that do not have the .za suffix for example .cape town .durban uh, .joburg and in my own particular case i have a website registered under .africa and that's because a lot of my work involves countries elsewhere in africa
0: That was independent analyst and researcher on ICT policy and regulation, Charlie Lewis, ending that report by our parliamentary correspondent, Mercedes percent in Cape Town.
1: Africa, rise and shine. Africa, source. Africa,
18: amuka na unai.
0: Our economics update up next with Tabi Lahogo.
5: Good morning. You're listening to Channel Africa. The President of Rwanda and Chair of African Union Reforms, Paul Kagame, says Africa cannot just remain a story about huge potentials that never materializes. Kagame says something has to give. The AU is other than the creation of the Organization of African Unity and the decision to strengthen it as the African Union. The signing of the African Continental Free Trade Area is arguably the third most important milestone in post-independence Africa. He says it was made possible by historic, remarkable leadership in 56 years of existence of the AU. And for that, he believes he speaks for most Africans to give thanks to the leaders of today's Africa. Kagame has quoted former South African President Thabo Beki. Today, it feels good to be an African. Zimbabwean President Emerson Mnangagwa has asked South Africa to continue supplying electricity to his country. He made the plea to President Sir Ramaphosa on the sidelines of the African Union Summit in Niger. Uh, Zimbabwe owes South Africa's power utility, ESCOM, hundreds of thousands of U.S. dollars in electricity. Ramaphosa says he will engage ESCOM to ensure that Zimbabwe is not cut off.
16: And this
8: is the type of thing that we are going to discuss with Eskom because we've always exported energy uh, to Zimbabwe and indeed to other neighbouring countries. So the fortunes of ESCOM and the fortunes of energy in SADC are intricately linked with our own fortunes. And we therefore, as we go through our own challenges, have to do a balancing act to see how best we are able to support them, but at the same time looking after our own interests.
5: South Africa's National Union of Mine Workers has slammed the Public Enterprises Department for what it terms its failure to prevent retrenchments at AlexCorp Joint Venture Mine in Alexandra Bay in the northern Cape Province. The union says at least 190 mine workers were retrenched last week. The mine is expected to cut more jobs after incurring operational losses in the past two financial years. The department owns a 51% of Corps JV, with the community owning the rest of the 49 percent percent the union's april marman
1: why don't they adhere to their own commitments that if there's financial challenges or operational challenges they will come to the party and assist the mine despite the efforts that the mine was employing we are waiting on the government to come and save the operations
5: the Central Bank of Kenya is yet to forward a Parliament uh, three legal instruments ahead of the rolling out of the new currency in line with the law. Under the Statutory Instruments Act of 2013, CBK was required to send the three statutes to the House for tabling, but Parliament says it has not received any of them. Last week, the Chief Justice David Maraga set up a three-judge bench to hear the case challenging the issuance of the new currency notes. Namibia's budget deficit is expected to decrease during the 2019-20 financial year as a result of an increase in the Southern African Customs Union revenue. The budget deficit is expected to narrow down to 4% during this period from 4.8% during the 2017-18 year because of an increase in government revenue. The estimated deficit for 2018-19 is 4.3%. The U.S. dollar is trading at 357.97 Nigerian Nara, 1049 Botswana Pula, 101.39 Kenyan Shilling, and 1271 Zambian Guacha. In BRICS currencies, one U.S. dollar will cost you 381 a Brazilian Roll, 6369 Russian Rubble, 6846 Indian rupee, 688 Chinese Yuan, and 1477 to the South African Rand. The U.S. dollar is trading at 79 pence to the British pound, 89 cents to the euro. A look at commodities markets now. Gold is trading at $1,395. Platinum, $809 dollars pounds. So the price of Brent crude oil is at $63.88 a barrel. I'm Tubby from your favorite channel.
0: A sports update up next with Figure
1: First up in our sports update, it's football news. Bafana Bafana will be motivated by their record in recent matches against Nigeria ahead of the all-important 2019. African Cup of Nations, the quarter-final at the Cairo International Stadium on Wednesday evening, 2100 hours Central African time. Bafana recorded a historic win when they eliminated the host Egypt, beating them 1-0 in front of 75,000 Egyptians on Saturday evening in the last 16th stage. The Super Eagles equally had a very good win, coming back from 2-1 down to beat Cameroon 3-2. Now, French-based striker Lebu Mutiba says they have to believe in themselves going to this game against Nigeria and says anything is possible. Every
19: game we play is very important. Uh, so every game we have to give our all to, to play. And that, that mentality, our coach has already spoken to us about the mentality that we must always keep positive and we can win every game because we are we have good players here we must just have we just have to believe in ourselves and uh because oof, the guys they are together good. They, me i like the way they because they're too technical with their feet dribbles and they 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 they're very good they're very good. I wish I was like them you know like you know so, uh, <laughs> or uh, PC or you know they very you know me I'm just you know that player that plays one touch two touch just run to space (laughs) that's but yeah we have to you know coach already spoken to us that you know we have to keep that mentality and uh, get rid of you know the mentality that we can't win against them and because we can
1: Mutiba knows this current Nigeria team very well. They scored the equaliser against them during the 1-0 draw in Bafana's penultimate African qualifier at the FNB Stadium in November last year.
19: Yeah, of course, it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a different game because Nigeria. I think they they strong. I think they are stronger than uh, Egypt. And uh, but I'm not sure about uh, the movement. If they are faster than Egypt, that's what I'm not sure about. But as uh, we must just uh, focus on our trainings and um, uh, as I said, uh, do well the training because it all starts a training. Uh, focus, uh, training, and uh, do uh, what coach uh, tells us to do. And uh, if we do that, uh, I'm, I'm sure we're going to win.
1: In swimming news, South African swimming star Tashiana Shoemaker and Tyler Lovemore begged their second gold medals, while Michael Hooley posted the new championship record during the fifth day of the 30th Summer Universiade, taking place at the Scandoni swimming pool in Nampoli, Italy. Schoolmaker climbed to the top of the medal's podium once again, this time in the 200-meter breaststroke, touching the wall in an impressive two minutes, 22.92 seconds, ahead of USA's Emily Escobedo in two minutes, 23.65 seconds, and Japan's Kanako Watanabe in two minutes, 24.18 seconds. And finally, tennis news, Coco Golf's Dream Wimbledon run came to an abrupt end when the consistency of seventh seed and former world number 1 simona halep proved a step too far for the 15 year old american who went down 6-3 6-3 after standing venus williams then saving two match points en route to beating polona he콕 last week golf was suddenly the hottest ticket in town. But she was always going to find it tough against Halep, last year's French Open champion and the first top 10 opponent she had ever faced. Meanwhile, Roberto Batista Agut's impressive Wimbledon form showed no sign of ending when he beat Benoit Paire in the straight sets of 6-3, 7-5 and 6-2. The Spaniard moves into the quarterfinals, having not dropped a set in the entire tournament. That's the spot News this hour. Africa Rise and Shine Africa zorga. Africa Amuka Na unai.
0: Recapping our top stories on Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, a DRC opposition MPs challenged decision to expel them from parliament and South African teenagers fly from Cape to Cairo in homemade plane. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producer Pumutu Ramagadza, technical producer Mario Edwards, and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at infochannelafrica.org or tweet us at RiseShineAfrica. Taking us to the top of the hour for the news is Zynga with a song titled Lala.
18: to be here feels good to be
21: here Hello.
18: This cat's a snigging oxo roller Man, you're a funu pona, now you're a loco, you're a loco Ha! Dualang amigos, olu Dualang amigos, olu, nga guyo bengat sa kasak shoe Uguzo enguesina move Uguzo enguesina move, ang gena lona, alvelel poopes, huzu gile, now we screamin', oh lord Tryna stack number, some like my colour. You can't teach brand new tricks to an older. Still not make a living such a loss like droid grinding so long mind your my bafika bathimbeach bese ku kungenuphuma sana ushonale nalena le laba babe pika baya jike bezobetha intwana yami iya reinjwe my baby hello hello tell me what
21: That's does i some in